Is there a wish that you got, can identify and say, you know, there's just no way, but, you know, we somehow managed to do it? You know, there's a few of them along the ways, but like, I, I think the one that always jumps into my mind first, and maybe it's because I was, it was in my early years of being involved with Make-A-Wish, and I was like, we're not going to be able to get that done. And we did is that we had a young man named Zach who wanted to ring the bell to close the stock exchange. Um, and that wish took place in 2001. Uh, but all of what it took to be able to make that wish happen, we had to have a CFO of a publicly traded company willing to lose an entire day's work to go with the family because that's the only way we could get it done. Uh, you know, to work with the stock exchange to be able to do it, the tour. You know, I mean, you're talking about the absolute financial hub of the world you know, taking time off to do something like that. And yet it was done. And uh, it always sticks in my mind that if we could get that accomplished, then, you know, the word impossible, we'll just take the M out of it and just leave it at possible. Welcome to the World of Wishes podcast. I'm Make-A-Wish Southern Florida's Chief Operating Officer, Richard Kelly. It's the one-year anniversary of World of Wishes, and we have back our first guest, the President and CEO of Make-A-Wish Southern Florida, Norm Wedderburn. Norm will give us the city of the chapter, his thoughts on running a nonprofit organization in today's world, and we'll talk at length about the chapter's landmark project, the Finker Franco Wish House, which is expected to open very soon. Enjoy. And we're here just after the one-year anniversary of the World of Wishes podcast with our first guest again. And uh, I think it will be a cool annual tradition to have Norm back to um, talk about the state of the chapter and where things are with Make-A-Wish Southern Florida and and some of the challenges and opportunities we're facing, and just to give us some insight into what's going on in the world of Make-A-Wish Southern Florida. So, Norm, it's great to have you. It's always great to be here. Norm Wedderburn is the president and CEO of Make-A-Wish Southern Florida, has been since 2006, uh, so he has a long esteemed career uh, with the organization, a board member, uh, and a chairman, chair of the board of directors uh, before that. Um, so I want to ask Norm uh, some questions about uh, his perspective on running this chapter and um, in the state of it overall. So start with that, Norm. It's you know recording this in mid-February of 24. Um, so what is the state of the chapter? What is the state of, of Make-A-Wish in Southern Florida or Make-A-Wish in general? Well, I'm really happy to report that the state of our chapter, the Southern Florida chapter, is very strong. You know, as we are going uh, through February, at the end of February, we'll hit the halfway point of this fiscal year as our fiscal year runs September 1 through August 31st. And we are on track to grant the most amount of wishes in our history over that six-month period. And so that's really exciting that given some of the challenges we've had over the last few years, COVID and then the fog of COVID, so to speak, that we're really back on track granting wishes. Are wishes fully back? Or are there still some that, uh, you know, some that were, you know, that, that aren't? aren't quite fully back. There are some wishes out there that we're still not yet fully back, cruises and international in particular. Cruises are coming back this year, and so we're really excited about that. And international will be back next year. You know, for those listening, the reason that international is still on hold is because a lot of our international affiliates are not prepared for the wishes. So we on the national organization in the United States and us as chapters and our chapter in particular is really ready to do these wishes but a lot of our international affiliates have asked us to hold off on that because they're just not staffed up and volunteered up enough to be able to grant them effectively 
And, and uh, this chapter in particular is a very strong wish assist chapter. So talk about wish assist and, and what they mean to us and what they mean to our brother and sister chapters throughout the country. So for those who might not know it, a wish assist is where a child is coming from or families coming from another part of the country or the world for that matter, and they choose to have a wish that's going to take place in our territory. So our chapter really works on putting together all of the activities and the execution of the wish as it's going to take place here. We're one of the most desired territories in the country. Uh, last year we did over 257 uh, wish assists, so that's just amazing. That means that 257 or so families came from somewhere else to have their wish here. I want to ask the question globally about, about running nonprofits, and it's 2024, and what are some of the challenges or opportunities that we face uh, in, in running nonprofits in, in the global or national economy? Um, in just the, the society of nonprofits, the society of, of charities in general? So, you know, a lot of the problems that, uh, that you'll hear in for-profits are the same ones that we have in not-for-profit. Certainly one of the big issues out there, and anybody who has a company or is running a company is dealing with it, is staffing. You know, the whole dynamic of the employee-employer relationship you know, really went through a lot of changes during COVID, and all of us are trying to figure out the right mix as we're coming back. There's also, you know, quite frankly, there's a shortage of talent that's out there. And so, you know, going through what is necessary to retain your talent uh, is very, very uh, important. And then a non uh, kind of staffing issue is that and it's beginning to go away, but for so long, there's always this talk about this pending recession. Like, when is this recession coming? Is it gonna be a soft landing or a hard landing? And that always has an effect where people are thinking about something bad that's gonna happen. And so, as a leader of an organization, and in particular, not-for-profit, how do you you know, navigate through that perception that uh, the economy is going to go bad and you have to be prepared for while being optimistic about what you're trying to get accomplished. Speaking of speaking of, of storms, um, how does how does our how does the local chapter or Make a Wish chapter insulate itself from um, from economic downturns and some of those things that you know might do, might completely derail other than nonprofits? You know how does how does Make a Wish take a proactive approach into some of those things happening globally? So I think it's really important, just like any other business, you know, you have to be properly capitalized. You have to have the funds and reserves that you can weather the storms. You know, like our kids don't get to pick when they get sick and when they're going to need a wish. They don't have the luxury of us saying we're going to put this on hold until you know, the economy returns. So the best thing I can do as a CEO and as a leader of the organization is to work with our donors, our board, our staff, our strategic partners, all out there so that we make sure that we have the resources so that we can have consistency and sustainability. And I think that's we've done a really good job of doing that so that we have never in the history of this uh, chapter delayed a wish because we didn't have the human or economic resources to grant it and I'm very proud of that and I think it's something that uh, you know that a lot of businesses are trying to do put themselves in a position uh, to to not have to uh, draw back just because of those challenges and it is impressive and it is something to be proud of you know 40 years and 14,000 wishes and we never really had to 
we never really had to, to say we just don't have the financial resources to, that we can't do a wish. Um, so let me pivot a little bit and and um, and get to some maybe some frequently frequently asked questions you know, questions that people ask us. Um, what would pe- what would people uh, not know about Make Wish? Uh, you know, what's what's something that you get asked that people have either misperception about or or just some insight on what people might not know about our organization? That's an interesting question. I mean, you know, two things jump to mind. Right. One is that we still have to overcome uh, what people think that we are for terminally ill children are the last wish, and that is not the case at all. We, we service children who have uh, serious conditions, critical illnesses, but so many of our wish kids, uh, the overwhelming majority of them grow up and live these great lives that were inspired by the wish they had. I mean, we have a former wish kid who's on our board of directors today. She's an attorney, she's doing amazing things for us. So that's one. Um, the second thing that a lot of people would and realize is that uh, you know we depend 100% on funding from our community. We don't have fees for services. The families pay absolutely nothing for their wishes. We don't have government support. Uh, so we have to go out there and raise the money from the community to be able to make these wishes happen. And I think a lot of people wouldn't recognize that. And then the third part is that I don't know that enough people understand that we have a lot of the same challenges a for-profit business has. So we have to be careful and be prepared for those. Cybersecurity. So when you think of a not-for-profit, you don't think of cybersecurity. You know, you don't think of, uh, you know, these other aspects of running a business that's really important that we have to make sure that we dot our I's and cross our T's. Mm-hmm. So let's start talking about some wishes. This is the heart of what this organization does. Um, what's your favorite story of, of the of an impact of a wish? We see a lot of families come back and, and talk about how the wishes impacted either the child's life, the family's life, or both, or everybody. Um, but of all the stories you've heard, what's your favorite? Oh, that's such a difficult question. Uh, you know, that's like asking somebody who's their favorite child. Mm-hmm. You know, like nobody ever wants to give that answer. What I can tell you about the, uh, what I think are the, my favorite stories of impact. Uh, as you know, on most days, I wear a Make-A-Wish branded shirt, and it has it right on my shirt, says Make-A-Wish. And I go into supermarkets, or I go into drugstores, I go different places, and it's amazing the amount of people who stop me and say, oh, or you would Make-A-Wish. And when I say yes, I say, what an amazing organization. But they don't stop there. They then turn around and tell me their personal wish story. You know, my, uh, my kid's best friend, my niece from Ohio, uh, my own kid. Like, it's amazing to me how many people Make-A-Wish has directly impacted that you would have no idea just walking around. But because I wear the Make-A-Wish shirt, they stop me and talk to me about it. And every time I hear one of those stories, I just it just uh, reminds me uh, that what an incredible, what an incredibly blessed uh, thing I get to do on a daily basis. Uh, blessed is, uh, is the right word. And uh, we've had a lot of those um, you know, young people, um, people that are adults now on this podcast talking about their wishes and talking about the impact. And some of those wishes happened 15, 20 years ago. And that is, it's an amazing thing to be, uh, to be a part of. And for everyone that is listening to this that is part of that, we thank you for that. Uh, I asked you 
to prepare an impossible wish and uh, a wish that, that we turn from impossible to possible. And I'm going to put you on the spot and ask you for that now. Um, are, is, there, is there a wish that you got, can identify and say, you know, there's just no way, but, you know, we somehow managed to do it? You know, there's a few of them along the ways, but like I, I think the one that always jumps into my mind first, and maybe it's because I was, it was in my early years of being involved with Make-A-Wish, and I was like, we're not going to be able to get that done, and we did, is that we had a young man named Zach who wanted to ring the bell to close the stock exchange, um, and that wish took place in 2001, uh, but all of what it took to be able to make that wish happen. We had to have a CFO of a publicly traded company willing to lose an entire day's work to go with the family because that's the only way we could get it done. Uh, you know, to work with the stock exchange to be able to do it, the tour. You know, I mean, you're talking about the absolute financial hub of the world, you know, taking time off to do something like that. And yet it was done. And uh, it always sticks in my mind that if we could get that accomplish, then, you know, the word impossible, we'll just take the M out of it and just leave it at possible. Uh, just amazing wish. The other category of wishes, I think, that are just unbelievable. I remember the first time I saw a wish come across my desk to meet the Pope. And I was like, oh my God, how are we going to pull that off? Um, and yet, I think to date our chapter has had three wishes to meet the Pope. It might be more, but three jump into my mind immediately. And I'm always amazed at what it takes and the amount of layers we go through, but we get it done. And then there are other wishes that we don't consider impossible, but fortunate to be able to grant. We just sent, sent two children to the Super Bowl, and there might be people that say, how do you send children to the Super Bowl? We pulled that off. So... There are a lot of wishes, uh, quite a few wishes in that category, and uh, it's great to reminisce on those and, and see how we are able to, to, you know, to use our resources and use the, the tremendous amount of supporters that we have uh, to make those wishes happen. Um, so the final subject I want to get to is, is one that is legacy-creating legacy and, and uh, organization-altering, and that's the, the Finker Frankel Wish House, our new home uh, that's... Uh, being constructed, it's uh, very nearly complete uh, on Sixth Street in uh, just north of downtown Miami. Um, so can you give us an update on that project? And and for those that don't know what the Wish House is or represents, um, what what is the project, and what what will it represent for us in the future? So let me start with the the back end of that question and what is the project. So we wanted uh, to look at the way we grant wishes and how do children go through the discovery process. So right now we go into the home of the child, of the family, we ask them a number of questions and that's how we determine what the child's wish is. And we always felt that there should be a way that we can really open that up, get it more creative, and even make that part, just a very first meeting, more exciting. Uh, and so that's what gave us the idea of the Wish House, where we could have a place that the children could come and they can go through some kind of process to determine and discover their wish. And so we, uh, we retained a former Disney Imagineer who's designed the entire wish discovery aspect, which is what we call wish works. And it is gonna be absolutely amazing. And our kids, regardless of their background or their circumstance, is going to see this kind of consistent, uh, incredible 
uh, uh, journey that they will go through to discover their wish. And when they're done, you know, if they think big, we can do big. And that's what we want. We want them to think big. We, a wish is supposed to be something that otherwise can't be done. You know, that's how it should be thought of. And we want to make sure that, that uh, we can do that for our kids. So we're really excited about that. The project started nine years ago. And it goes to show that, you know, these things are big. And big projects and bold projects take time. And they take the right people. We've had incredible leadership from our board, from our donors, from the people involved in the capital campaign, right to the construction side of it, all aspects of it. But it's taken nine years, and we're at the doorstep, no pun intended. It's probably another couple of weeks, and we will be in and, being able, and, and be able to start doing wishes in this manner. So it is the most transformational thing our chapter has ever done. It's the biggest and boldest project that we've ever done. But I'm really proud of the fact that the way we have done it and that it is uh, not one single wish has been sacrificed in the process. Every single kid who uh, was waiting for a wish got their wish. We didn't use one dollar dedicated for wishes on this project, and yet for the next 40 years, the wishes that those kids go through, the, the discovery process, is going to be unbelievable. How unique is a, is a building like that, not just for uh, a nonprofit in general, but for a Make-A-Wish chapter? It's very unique. There's only a handful of chapters that even own property, and there's only probably a couple chapters that do any form of wish discovery at their property. This is going to be uh, really uh, the the gold star, and we're hoping that when it's done, other chapters who are inspired by it will have the uh, a roadmap. They'll have a model to go after. They won't have to go through the learning curve and the process and ups and downs and challenges that we have gone through, uh, that they'd be in a much better position. And I'm proud of that. I mean, what, a, what an incredible thing, not only for the kids of Southern Florida, but if we actually have a model that, you know, Make-A-Wish chapter of X state or X city could follow. Incredible. What other opportunities will the chapter have by owning their own building? I mean, we you talked about the wish discovery process, and that's the reason to have uh, your own facility, uh, if for us at least. Um, but what other opportunities will there be to, um, you know, to be involved in the community or, you know, potentially give back? So there's a, a number of things. You know, one of the things is that we have built the property right by other not-for-profits. There's a bunch of other not-for-profits right around there. And we think it's important that we work in collaboration with our other sister organizations that are in the community. So we're really excited about being able to make the facility available for other not-for-profits to be able to use for meetings and, and different aspects. We also can host our own events. Right now, every time we do something, we have to go to a hotel or a restaurant, or we have to go rent someplace and, and cater someplace and all of those things. Now we can uh, bring our most important people to the place that the mission actually is happening so that they can see it. There's obviously a brand value. Having our name where people see it on a daily basis is so incredibly important. That's why companies invest millions and millions in their brand so that people know who they are, where they are, that they're right here in the community. That's no different 
uh, for us at Make-A-Wish. And then finally, and it's not finally, but one of the areas, at the beginning of this podcast when we talked about challenges, I talked about employees and staffing. And I think it's important that we are also able to compete in the marketplace for the best talent. Um, and having a facility like this where a mission that is so important like Make-A-Wish has taken place in a location like where it's at is going to be, uh, uh, it's going to attract uh, the best talent and help us retain the, the incredible talent that we already have. So I think talent uh, retention, attraction and retention is really important. Excellent. Now, I, I asked you at the top of this podcast about, or talked about your your longevity with the organization. Uh, why does this mean so much to you? Uh, you know, what is what is what is it in in being involved with this, uh, with the Wish Kids and the supporters and the donors and the volunteers and everybody affiliated? What is it? What does it mean for you personally to have invested so much of your so much of your career uh, in this? You know, I get asked that or some similar form of the question from time to time. And all I can tell you is that, you know, I was so fortunate that somebody gave me a call 26, 27 years ago saying that there's this organization, Make-A-Wish, and we think it would be good for you to be involved. And I got involved, but I just got involved. You know, it was a good organization get involved. Then I went on my first wish that I had, my wish kid, Merrill was his name, um, and it you know it it changed me it has, it just had an impact on me i saw firsthand the absolute joy that that young man got from his wish and i saw the joy in his parents eyes and it just had it, it had a uh, an impact inside of me like nothing ever has and then you know the opportunity many years later a few years later to become ceo uh, uh, was just something that I couldn't pass up. And now, you know, March 1st, I start my 19th year, and I have a picture of Merrill and that wish uh, on my desk to, as a reminder uh, of how important what we do uh, is. You know, like, you can get caught up in the business and running it and all of the different things. And then you look and you see, you know, a kid holding a dog uh, and the impact that that wish had on him and you realize how important what we do is. And so that it, for me as the CEO, you know, I need to put my head on the pillow each night knowing that I gave my absolute best that, that, so that we can maximize the amount of people we impact in the lives that we change. Well, it has been a great ride, a, a long ride, and it's been a great one. We're continuing uh, that ride, and as we've talked about the uh, with our with our wish house uh, being a new a new chapter in this or organization's uh, history, uh, great things are still to come. If you would like to uh, be like Norm and uh, you know have your have your life change, have somebody approach you or you approach someone about getting involved in Make Wish, you can visit our website at wish.org/sfla. To learn more about volunteering, involving your company, and uh, making a, making a donation, referring a child, or virtually any way of getting involved in the organization. Well, thank you, Norm, for being our first two-time guest of the podcast, and uh, it's great to talk to you and get some of that insight into how this organization runs, what's you know where we stand right now, and what's what's going on for the future. So, thank you for being here. Thank you. Thanks to Norm, and thank you for listening to our World of Wishes, produced by Make Wish Southern Florida. To learn more about the Finker Frankel Wish House that was discussed in today's episode, visit wishhouse.org. 
Please help support this podcast by rating, reviewing, and subscribing wherever you get your podcasts and tell a friend. You can also listen to our archive shows at worldofwishespodcast.org. To learn more about making wishes come true, visit us at wish.org slash SFLA.